0: Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom The Facts of Life. Then I hit record. We talk about the episode and anything and everything else we can possibly think of that may or may not be related to the subject of the show. This week, my guest is Cameron Matthews. Cameron is a, an actor, singer, dancer, comic improviser. He does everything. Cameron is just awesome. And during the course of the show, when I interview him, I will uh, wax his car profusely because he is not just a talented guy. He's really a super positive breath of fresh air, fun person to work with. And that is really a wonderful thing. He is never I don't think I've ever seen him in a bad mood or angry. He's just always smiling and always happy to be alive. And that is really uh, a wonderful thing. Now, uh, before I get to the show, I do have a couple of corrections we have to do. This is my corrections corner. My friend Justin had to text me and point out to me that I made a mistake two weeks ago when we were talking about Mrs. Garrett pronouncing the French cuisine and Blair's uh, pigeon French pronunciations. We were talking about French foods. And I uh, mentioned that Coq au vin was a beef stew made out of wine and stuff. And of course, that is not correct. And I know that. The first word, coq, C-O-Q, is the French word for cock or rooster, meaning it's a poultry dish. It is chicken braised with mushrooms and wine. And um, Justin, who is a, a magnificent cook, was very upset that I got that wrong. But I will say the reason why I said it was a uh, beef stew with wine is because recently Justin had made for a group of us friends a delicious, amazing, homemade boeuf bourguignon. And that is the beef stew. It's featured prominently in the movie Julie and Julia. And, uh, and it was Amazing. Like I said, Justin is a very good cook. So I had that. I, I had beef Bourguignon on the brain. And sadly, that was what uh, permeated my thoughts. So Justin, I am sorry. But technically, really, when you think about it, it's your fault. Next, other correction is in the episode you are about to listen to. I constantly refer to actor Jimmy Bayo as the brother of... Of Scott Bayo, actor who plays Chachi on Happy Days and Joni Loves Chachi. I always thought they were brothers my entire life. And I just happened to be clicking on some things in Wikipedia as I was editing the show and realized they're cousins. I was like, oh, fuck. My whole world has come crashing down here. My entire belief system from my whole childhood is just crumbling before me between that and the uh, incorrect memories of of the maroon blazers, which we've discussed. I'm, whew, I'm really having some some trouble with my brain cells these days. So as you listen to the forthcoming episode, please know I do realize Jimmy Bayo and Scott Bayo are cousins and not brothers. That is it. Cameron Matthews and I watched season three, episode 22, called the Academy. And the original air date was March 31st, 1982. This is the second of the many backdoor pilots attempted on the Facts of Life, and we talk about it in great detail, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's jump on in. Let's face the facts with Cameron Matthews.
1: Hi, Karen Matthews. Hi, David. How are you?
0: Excellent. We're finally we, doing this. Uh, you were one of the first people I had uh, while we were at work because we, we share a dressing room. We
1: do. We have for many years.
0: Uh, for a long, long, long. We worked together a long time. Yes. And in the uh, formulation of this podcast when I was trying to figure out how to do the microphones and how to edit and stuff, I huh? had you helping me out with that. And it's, it's crazy that it's taken almost a year to actually get you on the show.
1: But here we are. Yeah, all that hard work's paid off, and now now we're here.
0: And we just watched the Academy. Yes, a really I think it was a really good well, can episode. When we first say,
1: remember when you wanted to get me on this, I said I don't know a whole lot about the facts of life, and you're like, that's all right. Yeah, got the perfect episode for yep. you. Yeah,
0: as it turns out, definitely a it's...
1: spinoff, a potential spinoff episode.
0: But this was um this was really a good backdoor pilot because yeah. the Facts of Life girls were in it. And they were themselves. They weren't morphed. Like, their characters were very consistent. Yeah,
1: unlike other shows where, you know, the main cast tends to bow out for the whole episode yeah. after just saying hello. At we least have they were intermixed in this one.
0: Yeah, we have many of those. Yeah. They, there are, I believe, seven backdoor pilot attempts through the nine-year cycle wow. of Facts of Life. And we've already had one of them. Yeah. And it was, uh, Tootie and Natalie were like, you know these sort of supporting characters in the main thrust of the show right but with this we had i mean it's commendable because the early seasons of the facts of life one of the problems was there were more girls and there were too many they couldn't sort them out everybody was fighting for screen time and jokes so it was just this mishmash considering this show had to accommodate the existing cast as well as introduce us to a new cast
1: i think it did really well really well and uh and my initial reaction just watching it going oh this is essentially the male version of the facts of Uh, life that they they were trying to do with the academy yeah there's the natalie boy there's the the tootie guy yeah you know and you could just see they were trying to set up the facts of life but just in a boy version a boy version yeah yeah it
0: was like yeah the amount the amount of analogs was kind of (laughs) i i didn't even remember that i remembered this episode Um, But I didn't remember that they were in it as much as they were and uh, uh, all that. So so before we get into synopsizing the episode... Yes. Every show I ask my guest to give me a one to two sentence short quick synopsis of the entire thing we've just watched, similar to what you might see in TV Guide.
1: Oh, so The Academy, season three of The Facts of Life. Episode Uh,
0: 22.
1: Yes. Uh... Ooh, synopsize it. Yes, so Joe receives a phone call Uh from a gentleman named Buzz who is at this academy, Uh uh, and she thinks uh, he's asking her out for a a date to his dance, but he actually is looking for another date Uh because they're just pals, I believe they say. Yeah. And uh, she recommends Blair, and they're all going to be going out. uh, All the girls are going to the academy for this dance.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. There you go. Yep. And, and hopefully we'll get another season, uh, another series out of it. Yes. And uh, and we did not. No. Uh, but uh, lovely. Thank you for the synopsis. Yes. And uh, now we can get into the, the nuts and bolts of this show. Yeah. We start off at Eastland in the parlor. And the phone rings. Blair answers. And clearly Blair is expecting a phone call from a boy.
1: Yes. Hello. Hello. Like yes.
0: all flirty. Like it's, the. there's a running joke that, when the phone rings, it's always, always for Blair. Blair. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. her only thing, because she's yeah. the popular pretty girl. Yeah, um,
1: But it was actually for Joe this time.
0: Yeah, and at one point, uh, and she does register her shock that the call is not for her. Right. And then even Natalie steps in and is like, oh, is it for me? And it's like, no, it's for Joe. Joe? What? What? A call from a boy?
1: <laughs> um, and she's the only one at the coffee table, I think, and she's like working on something you know, yeah, we're not caring about the phone at all.
0: No, and typically not caring much about boys either. But that's another story. Um, so she picks up the phone, is like, "Hello," and she's like, "Hey, Buzz, how are you doing?" And uh,
1: then we and we see the first shot now. The first shot, of Buzz. It's... And I have to say, who looks like a cro- with his haircut looks like a cross between a beetle. Yeah, uh, one of the members of the Beatles on the Starship Enterprise. That's what it looked like right oh, away to uniform. me. With yeah. the uniform, with the uniform, it was like half uniform the, kind the of Picard. On. We're talking yes, Picard. Yeah,
0: when they when they went to Picard, they said they, they wanted to go more militaristic. Yes, after that. Yes, <laughs> yes. you yeah. are so right. He does have kind of it's kind of a bowly haircut it's for bowie. Yeah, eighty two. Like, it's right. Yeah, it
1: was making me look up the episode. I'm like, oh, this is eighty two. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's a little. Yeah. Yeah weird um and it is uh Jimmy Bayo Jimmy Bayo at this point is a little famous not quite as famous as his brother right Scott Bayo who played chachi on uh, and was at the time playing chachi on uh happy days okay so I just looked this up because I wasn't sure about when Joni loves chachi ran. Right. right so I'm thinking that we are in the middle of him playing chachi on happy days Joni Loves Chachi premiered on March 23rd of 1982.
1: Wow.
0: We are watching the Facts of Life that broadcast on March 31st.
1: Look at that.
0: 82. What? So That is crazy. That is eight days. Literally last week (laughs) Joni Loves Chachi premiered. Right. In the timeline of uh, this TV world. That is amazing. Yeah. So Joni Loves Chachi was about to be on. And of course, it was four episodes for season one, and uh, thirteen episodes for season two. And then they went, okay, well, that was a very bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> let's um, let's put them back on Happy Days. Yes, and be done with it. But yeah, right. yeah, by May of '83 was when Joni Loves Chachi was so. It lasted a year, but didn't even. It wasn't even too full. It was two, uh, highly abbreviated seasons here um so wow but jimmy Bayo was on soap back uh, right on on abc he was he
1: played the part of billy or billy i was looking it up
0: oh were you soap yes he was, was billy. billy on billy tate soap. billy tate on soap who was the son of oh interesting son of uh, catherine hellmond who would go on to be mona, mona on who's the boss and uh, robert manden Robert, Robert Mandon was Mandin Chester on soap. Robert Mandon ah. will be the man who comes and rekindles a romance with Mrs. Garrett, and he's the one that she marries and leaves to go off into the Peace Corps it's with. It's all tied together.
1: It is. It's, it's all, all together. In the, the FOLCU, <laughs> yes. the Life Cinematic Universe. Yeah, in the big
0: universe. That's what I say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he was on soap, and he was good on soap. He was young.
1: You're going to hate me. I've never seen Soap.
0: <gasps> I know. What? Well, I you're know. like, you're more than a decade younger than I am. Soap was, I mean, it was probably, it kind of probably made the cycle and been in reruns and then kind of went away. So it was a grown, even when I was a kid, yeah. it was a grown up show. It was, it was kind of scandalous and it was on late at night. And right. It was a big deal with Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal as the first gay character and all that. Uh, but it is
1: funny. It I is. need to see that. I need to visit it.
0: I have it. I have it on DVD. I can fix you up.
1: Well done. Um,
0: and it ran, I mean, like five seasons. It's It's got a lot of episodes. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. It's a Susan Harris show before she did Golden Girls. You have the character of uh, uh, Ch- uh, Bob and Chuck. Chuck. Yes. Chuck and Bob. Chuck was played by Jay Johnson, and Bob was his ventriloquist dummy, which was also Jay Johnson's. So Bob played himself, Self. basically. Yeah. Well, if you look at the writing, Bob is the... Uh, character who says the inappropriate thing that everyone is thinking but nobody says. Oh, if you look at it, you're like, "This is Sophia from The Golden Girls." Oh, yeah, the, the ventriloquist dummy. He is doing. He is fulfilling the same role of the whole. Oh, forgive mom. She had a stroke and she has no filters. Correct. So, um, yeah. So, soap is an interesting predecessor to uh to Golden Girls, and of course, it is the show that Benson was a spinoff, and Benson ran way longer than soap did yeah uh so but jimmy bio was good he was you know only like 13 or so he was still kind of an adolescent but he had razor sharp comic timing yeah he's great in this episode even though they were a well-to-do family from connecticut he talked with his bronx accent as he does here yes when he talks to joe you're like i absolutely believe they are childhood friends yep Because it's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm a character. Yeah, I'm a character. Bada boom, bada bing. I'm a member of the Beatles in the 80s. (laughs) And um, I'm going to a dance.
0: Yeah. So, yes. And this is now back to the show. What is going on here is he's now at a place called Stone Military School that we have never seen or heard of. Right. There is no talk of where it is located. There was a
1: pennant like in the background and the whole time I'm going stone, what is that?
0: Yeah and it's not the same as Bates Academy. Now Bates Academy is the boys school that we always hear about and the girls are always dating boys from whenever they need boys on the show. It's always boys from Bates Academy right who come into the picture. But this military academy we doesn't it doesn't say where it is. We don't know how close or far away, but it must be cl- nearby. Yeah. And um, well, I I just had a moment where I just realized I was going to say, well, it's within driving distance because Mrs. Garrett was able to drive her Volkswagen Beetle yes. with her and four, four. full grown teenage girls. Yes. Um, How many were on the roof? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, and the producers would point out full bodied teenage girls, of course, they were. Um, there are well-documented stories behind the scenes of them not being happy about the girl's weight because because they're teenagers really? and they were they were teenagers and they were putting on wow. weight and uh, uh, they were like, "No, you're you're teenagers and it's 1982. You need to be fuckable, even though wow. you're 14 or whatever." That's sad. Yeah, it's it's not cool, and no. thankfully we have evolved. Yes, but um, so uh, the plot that is put forth is that. Uh, Jimmy Bayo is a childhood friend of Joe's clearly from the Bronx and uh, due to the fact that he has uh, a record had gotten himself into trouble he is now in this military academy and he even calls at one point consider it like a juvenile farm so instead of sending him to juvenile detention center he gets sent off to this military academy and he says "Uh, I'm going to this dance and uh, I was hoping you could help me out. And Joe's like, You want me to go to the dance with He's like, No. No, not at all <laughs> And, um
1: He mentions a Candace Bergen type. Yes, and then cut quick cut to Blair coming into the room really fast. Yeah. And leaving again. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe quickly
0: assesses so what I'm hearing is you shot off your mouth and you told them that you had a really gorgeous girlfriend
1: debutante right. that you now need to actually produce and can we just say I never really put it together until it was said but Blair really does have a Candace Bergen type of hairdo doesn't oh, say oh god well, totally well, with, with, the, you, yeah, the with long, that the long yeah, blonde totally. that's got the wave in it yeah,
0: yeah. now um, let's talk a little bit about the middle aged vaudevillian writers let's which that, we frequently you. refer back to yeah on, on this show um, there are so many times when they make references like this where it's a Candace Bergen type. It's 1982. Candace Bergen is, I think, 40 at this point. So I looked it up. Candace Bergen was born in 46. So here in 1982, that means she is four years shy of 40. Mm-hmm. She's 36. It's like, really? <laughs> That's. There are so often times, sometimes they get it right. You know, like two yeah. obsessed with Michael Jackson, as well a girl her age should be. But that's one of those where it's like, you need a can't. There's, I guess because of her elegance, because of her poise. Was she on the network at that time? Uh, no, Murphy Brown no. was still like five years away. That's true. I don't know who the young, el- yes, I do.
1: Who would, I do who would have been in 82?
0: Um, Tatum O'Neill. Oh, yeah, totally. If you think of Little Darlings, Christy McNichol was the tough chick. Tatum O'Neill was the prissy, prim, and proper one. Yeah. That would have been more...
1: Appropriate. appropriate for the age, appropriate. Age,
0: age range, yeah. So he's looking for Candace Bergen, but you're right, yeah. Blair is a Candace Bergen type. Um, so, uh, with that, they basically uh, Joe says, I think I can help you out, and he's like, Great, I appreciate it, great, love you, mean it, bye. Hangs up, and as he hangs up the payphone, grabs his hat and his gun, just walking around with a rifle, You you know, at school, <laughs> like you do, like you do. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, so then very quickly, Joe has to swing into action yes. to, to hook Blair into this. So the girls are like, okay, we were listening. Who is this buzz person? Who is this? Right. And Joe's like, well, he's a guy who kind of broke my heart last summer. And um, he is calling me saying he really needs a date to this dance. And they're like, well, why would he need a date? Why would he call you? And she says, well, because I'm his friend. And, well, he's really broken up since... Uh, he got dumped by Gloria Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's daughter. daughter. <laughs> and she can't, or he said she, she can't make it. I don't think he said dumped, but um, so Blair is quickly like, Gloria Vanderbilt's daughter? What? Money. What? Exactly. And of course, I immediately grabbed my phone yep. and looked up on Wikipedia. <laughs> and we all know that one of Gloria Vanderbilt's children is Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. And uh, she has three other sons, no daughters. That. I did look that up. And thankfully... And there's that, the joke right there. <laughs> that does come out later. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Blair is kind of like, I think I'll help you out. We're good. And Joe's like, thanks. And then Tootie and Natalie are like, we've never been to a military academy dance. Could could we all get dates? Do you think you could da- get dates for us too? And Joe's like, Jesus. Okay, fine. So basically, Joe picks up the phone. I don't know how she knows how to call him back or what phone
1: number. Yeah, that's not explained. No, there was no just, Star sixty nine back then. there. was <laughs> it's not, and that's just yeah. It's just a payphone, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. Anyway, now we go to the academy. Now we're yeah. in the dorm room, I guess, in the bedroom where we meet the cast, and of. we're
1: instantly seeing the the, the you, characters. You you want to hear? Do, went, do, 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 yep. do 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 You're we all wanna, hi, male Natalie. Hi, yeah. male Judy. Hi, <laughs> you know? hi,
0: cute, slightly overweight. Uh, freckle-faced, uh, <laughs> girl-crazy boy. Yeah, yeah, And, um, yeah, high, young, uh, attractive African-American boy. And, yeah, we literally meet the Tootie and Natalie analogs. Yeah, And uh, the characters' names are Chip. Chip is the African-American boy. He is played by... Oh, I didn't get his name. He had... He went by one name back then, and then he changed names. Yes, I have. Then, David Hubbard. Yeah. David Hubbard. But what other name did he go by? David Rayner. David Rayner. That's yes. right. Uh, and looking at his IMDb credits, there are no acting credits after 1993. Huh. From what I recall. And, and it's too bad he's good. I mean, honestly, yeah. all the cast of this are good. Like, yeah. When you watch the pilot, the early episode of The Facts of Life... How many girls there are saying with this overly coached inflection, Mrs. Garrett. Right. It's like. (sighs) (laughs) It's just. But um, how do I say this lie? Yeah. Take my wife, please. It's just uh, it's so not good. These these kids had some chops. They were good. Um, And then the other kid, the dorky kid is Alfred. And he is John Alfred P- Webster.
1: Even Al- in the name, it's nerdy. Yeah.
0: And a lot of people will recognize him because he was in National Lampoon's Vacation. That's where I remember him. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He Cousin was, Dale. He was Randy Quaid's kid. <laughs> yes. And God this is it so funny how memorable... The Randy Quaid character. well oh. he got his own movie out of it, didn't he? Basically.
1: Oh yeah. Did they spin off one of the? They they tried to spin a, like like a Christmas one off. They did with like with a sep-
0: like Christmas with cousin Randy or whatever his name yes. was. Yeah, cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I remember John P. Navin Navin Jr. from a show called Jennifer Slept Here, mm. and uh, it, it was a an Angillian sitcom after she did It's a Living. And it didn't run very long, but it was a weird setup of a, a house or an apartment where she was a former movie star who was a ghost that only the teenage son could
1: see. Perfect setup for a sitcom. Yeah,
0: perfect, perfect setup. Perfect setup. And you know what? It may post-date this. I feel like he was older than this. Okay. Because he's young. He's like 13. One of the jokes sure. they talk about here is, does Natalie know how old I am? I want her to think I'm a little bit older. Yeah. And... uh and it's very true. He is, he's still very kind of pre or early pubescent. And I think Jennifer Sleptier came after that. But for some reason, in my brain, it's like one of those things I happen to watch a few episodes and now it's etched in there, unlike any of the things I studied in high school. <laughs> 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 but um, so what, what do you have there? You have pictures. So you I was were...
1: looking, we're looking at John P. Nevin Jr.'s uh, IMDb page, and they're just three images. One is of him, and then the other two are. Uh, Images of the four uh, guys from the Academy on the Facts of Life, but they're not from the episode we just watched. So is there another Uh, episode of these gentlemen making an appearance? I I feel
0: like this one they tried to do twice. Like they they really tried to
1: push it on us. Because the date Um, on this picture is 1979, which would be... Oh, that's the first year of the show. That's just the Facts of Life is 79,
0: yeah. I believe they do come back, Yes. There are two episodes where these characters are featured. In season four, it's an episode called The Big Fight, season four, episode nine. Natalie covers a boxing match at Bates Academy, the nearby boys' school, for the school paper. Ah. so
1: That's what these look like.
0: God, he's grown. Look at that. In a year. Look at how much older he looks. Oh, yeah. That's like 13 to 14 kind of a thing. Yeah, we just did a little quick skim. We just pulled up the episode, and it does take place still at Stone. It doesn't take place at Bates. Um, IMDB, you are so wrong. (laughs) But, yeah, this is one of the backdoor pilots where they, like, went, let's try again. Maybe they don't remember. And, uh, yeah, so all of the characters do appear again on the show. I would forgotten that. I thought this was a one-off. Anyhow, um, then we have uh, this other character named Hank. Hank comes in, and it, that was when I saw you lunge for your
1: phone. Right, because he to me looked like you. Because when we went into this episode, you said, "Oh yeah, this is a backdoor pilot, and it's Scott Bayo's Scott brother." Bayo's brother, yeah. And he comes in, I go, "There's Scott Bayo's brother," because I, I don't think that Jimmy, Jimmy did, really looks. No, like he doesn't. Because when Hank comes in, I went, "Oh, there's Scott Bayo's brother," and then I the agree. whole time I'm going, "Why did they feature?" the other guy so much more. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah.
0: not that at all, but he does. He does yeah. look like he's got definitely much more sex appeal. Whereas uh Jimmy Bayo was more the wisecracking side character, the more earthier every guy. Yes. Whereas Scott Bayo had once once he, you know, once he went through puberty and grew up, Scott Bayo had just saw the sex appeal right. going on and all that. But um the deal is Hank comes in and the news is that he cannot go with Joe to the dance because he's hurt his foot. Is that what his reason is? They
1: don't really say, but he has a cane and he's like, "Oh, I just I can't do this." Yeah, for he you.
0: can't go, so it's like crap. What am I gonna do? And then uh, oh, and as we're meeting, we we do this thing where we meet the kids, and so we meet how dorky Alfred is. And he understands. Cle- yeah,
1: and Alfred's like he's cleaning the entire room. Yeah. He's a neat freak. He's a
0: neat freak. And and he also clearly is all this girl, Natalie. And um, is she going to know how old I'm like, he's really like, you know, I want to go on a date with a girl. And this is new territory for me. Right. And then we've got Chip, the African-American. And he talks about um, this girl, Tootie. That's a weird name. And it's like, hey, just talk about your mom and you'll be fine. He's like, I don't always like to talk about my mom, Paula Nelson, the multi-platinum recording artist. And it's like, if this had become a show, who was gonna play the mother? Who were they gonna to get to be Paula Nelson? Is it like we
1: would hope that Paula Nelson would come out and play play it on the show or make, we know, would make hope. an appearance.
0: But Paula Nelson is not a real person.
1: It's not a real per it's not a real person. No. I it was a, real- you were certain to look it up, I thought it was a real person.
0: No. No That's totally fictional. Oh, but the thing so is did,
1: I totally believed it.
0: You oh yeah. No, no. I I don't believe there was ever a recording artist named Paula Nelson. Let me now I have to check because look it up. Of that, but I'm assuming, like you know, it would have been Patti LaBelle, oh, <laughs> is yeah, something sure. or uh, or Gladys Knight or you know one of them. Yeah, maybe not Aretha Franklin. Paula Nelson is an American country music singer and disc jockey. She is the daughter of country music singer Willie Nelson. Ah, so she is white. Yeah, and so now, and she was born in October of '69, so she is uh, she's Tootie's age. She's she's still a child at this point. So, Sorry, no, Paula. And no yeah this the Paula Nelson on this show fictional is clearly supposed to be like, um, uh, you know, I don't know Thelma Houston or something right anyway then uh so we meet Hank Hank seems like a nice guy. he doesn't he's the one that just doesn't have we don't get a distinct personality type attached
1: to Hank right
0: other than he's hot like he's the,
1: the and out of the four, he, I guess he'd be the Blair. He's the Blair
0: probably because he's the the girl, right. The one that is the most success with the girls. I guess he would have been the Blair. Yeah. Blair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then in comes um, the the kiss ass. Yeah. The one his name is George played by Peter Frechette is the actor's name. And he's really good. And this is terrible. I for some reason I thought it was Josh Charles.
1: Josh Charles. I
0: thought it was a young Josh Charles from News Radio and The Good Wife. Oh Yes. And, and on many episodes of Inside Amy Schumer. Doesn't he look like Josh Charles?
1: A little bit. Do you know he was... You're going to laugh who he reminded what? me of the entire time. What? A young Danny Tanner from Full House. Anytime they did Bob Saget flashbacks oh. when they were younger. Yeah. And he was making the same kind of faces. Yeah. You know. I didn't and, watch Full House. Oh, and you know, you didn't watch Full House. Because um, I'm too old. That's but your generation. There we go. But Danny Tanner always, you know... A goody-goody, yeah, you know? And this corporal character that uh, Frechette is playing is a total kiss-ass. Sure. I guess it would be a young Bob Saget, yeah. yeah, it just was very young Bob Saget to me the entire time. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, it's not... But he's one of those character actors, and I think he's still working. He doesn't have as many credits lately, but he's still out there. You've seen him in a bunch of things. Yeah. But nothing major, and yet he is familiar. So he is the kiss-ass in this he's the by the book kind of antagonist we don't really have one of those on the facts of life no and i i like that we don't have that yeah because of blair and joe sniping at each other all the time um so he comes in and no sooner does he come in than major dorsey the authority figure comes in
1: the charlotte ray
0: the charlotte (laughs) and he comes in going girls (laughs) boys boys boys. (laughs) i'm going to inspect your guns
1: And he does. And,
0: and he does. And he does. He inspects their guns. And yeah. uh, long story short is uh, he does an inspection. The room looks good. But then he insists on seeing Jimmy Bayo's gun. And he pulls out a cigarette. He's like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Bayo, <laughs> old bodybuilding comic, would you believe a very short ramrod?
1: Yes. <laughs> He's got
0: that New York Borscht belt delivery. And cue
1: the laugh track.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> nope. So he's like, "Well, you're going to get some hours of like detention or something like that." Yes. It's he is some type of punishment is absolutely going to penalty, befall him.
1: Penalty duty or whatever they said. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, um, after the major leaves, uh, that's when Jimmy Bayo goes to. The, okay, let's say Buzz goes to George, the kiss ass, and says, "You tipped him off. You set this up, didn't you?" And he's like, "You know what?" It even I forget how he sets it up, but he says, you know what? And I was going to ask a favor of you. And he goes, oh, no, never mind. It's just this gorgeous girl has suddenly turned up needing a date since uh, Hank can't take her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, she's so pretty. And she goes to Eason and George is like, "Okay, well, 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 I'm interested. And he says, well, her name is Joe Polnicek And he's like, Polnicek He's like, haven't you ever heard of what do you say? Like the vodka? Yeah, Paul vodka. vodka. Is that a yes. thing? I, I,
1: yes, as, just as real as uh, Patty Nelson. Yeah, Patty, she is, Just as is, okay. real as Patty Nelson.
0: have you ever heard of Paul Nacek vodka? <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yes. I guess because it's a Slavic name, it's I, like you got to Yeah, attach. it does, yeah. Um, so he's like, okay. And he's like, one thing I got to tell you, though. He says, be sure to try and kiss her neck when you dance with her. Yes. And uh, you're like, oh, he is setting him up beautifully. That's getting back at him.
1: So then, uh, that's but him. with he's setting. You know, he's trying to get back at him with his friend, who is Joe's his friend. Yeah, you know. But you get the sense that they fuck with each other. First. Yeah, I guess you know. It's, yeah. like it's like yeah.
0: <laughs> I told him you like being kissed on your yeah. neck, <laughs> right? And it's like <laughs> she doesn't because he's a boy. You gonna get it? And they keep the the whole Joe is a tomboy, always keeps spilling over into not interested in men at all, right? And that's not right. That's not, she is not a lesbian, even though so many people have speculated. And Matthew Arter will go to his grave saying that she and Blair are doing it. But anyway. (laughs) um, So then we go to the dance. We're actually at the dance. Yeah. And in comes the cast of the Facts of Life.
1: Yes. Dressed up. Swords
0: drawn. Yeah. they, They draw a canopy of swords. Joe is the first one in. No, no. Mrs. Garrett comes in first in her beautiful purple. And she does her.
1: girls Girls. to call them all in yeah say that again how does girls okay there it is is that how it's done
0: everybody is welcome to do their bad (laughs) mrs garrett i bet
1: you have everyone doing that
0: Uh, everyone to join me in my bad mrs garrett everyone is welcome to do their bad mrs garrett so please feel free to join me
1: and then in comes joe she's first right
0: yeah and joe is wearing this frilly pink off the shoulder
1: like a like a, you know, maid of honor dress or something. Yeah, like a bridesmaid like dress. A prom, 80s prom dress. Totally. It's got a lot of prom dress. But and she, and again, just like, it's just been thrown on her. Yeah. And, yeah, you know. she's
0: still walking in character as Joe. She still <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. The, uh, the beautiful saying that uh, my friend Steve once said, it's like, I would say she was rough around the edges if she wasn't so rough in the middle. Mm. But um, Joe's hair is down. We haven't seen Joe's hair down yeah. In, I think it's been
1: since early last season. And so, actually it's nice. It's not like it's a mess or anything. Yeah, you know, no, like... it's
0: nicely feathered, has a good yep. shape to it. It was very 80s appropriate, flattering.
1: And uh, the dress- You could even say a brunette Candace Bergen. Oh. no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'd go there. But um,
0: yeah, so she has got this dress. And yeah, the dress, I think, intentionally made to look- very fish out of water it's very oh. fr- it's pink and it's frilly and ruffledy and girly and yeah. uh, all that so um, speaking
1: out of water and then natalie comes in next and right? then
0: natalie comes in Who? looking
1: like the mother of the the bride. bride thank you so we had you know we had a bridesmaid and then the mother of the bride came in
0: you you weren't alive then but in the 80s there was so much what was considered fashionable for young girls that is so matronly we we've had that happen in the show where these we see the girls dressed up in other instances Uh, i'm thinking about when uh blair and joe went out to dinner when joe was going to marry her boyfriend eddie Mm. who was in the navy at the time and blair uh enlisted the help of a boy from bates named bink parker to try to talk them out of it when they show up they are it's like you look like you are 45 years old and natalie in particular because it's it's very... It covers because Natalie is, you know, a little bit thicker than the rest of the girls. Not by much. Sure. But um, Natalie has got... So, there's so much chiffon. And it looks so Mother
1: of the Bride. Uh, the moment she came in, I went, well, this doesn't fit. Yeah.
0: And... um and it, it But it works to their advantage in a minute when she meets her date. That's true. But, but then we've got 2D, 2D wearing uh, a very light, like, sky blue, powder, baby blue uh, dress... All. Lace. All of it. Lace. Head to toe. Grandma. Holy shit. (laughs) And sadly, they didn't do anything new with Tootie's hair. Tootie's got her same penis head bowl cut. (laughs) And I really wish they had done something nice. Because Natalie's hair, they also... uh, Natalie's hair is long this season. And they always pull it back in these little French braids to keep it off her face. Mm -hmm. And then it tends to sort of cascade down her back. And you don't really pay much attention to Natalie's hair. But with this, they had it down and styled, and uh, again, she was the most attractive forty-five-year-old, <laughs> right, at this thing. Um, so yeah, they're all dolled up, but it's we look at it now and we're hypercritical. It was sadly appropriate and right. That's what you look. That's what teenage girls dressed up for prom looked like yeah, in the eighties. They want to look like grown-ups. Ugh, but um. So uh, yeah, and then Blair comes in. Finally, the big reveal. Blair comes in, and she is in, I believe, a dress we've seen before, oh, all really? black velvet. Ah. And again, the the producers and the costumers were like, "It's like I have to costume Mama Cass here. She is a fucking continent. She's a size That's eight. That's sad." And so they just put her at black, slimming, put her in black. It's got shoulder pads. It's got a skirt that flares out, and um, so. You know, but she comes in and as the big to do with the swords, she's all oh, <laughs> and fluffs her hair and is all drinking in it and, and loving all the attention. Yeah, she is in her fucking element. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Um, so then quickly the boys, the, the girls meet their dates, and it's like hi, here's your male twin. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Um, and I will say, uh, Tootie and uh, Tootie and. Chip look lovely together. They're a very good yeah. match. They're they're a very comely couple, as I've said many times. Natalie, dressed to look as old as she is. Then you put her next to um,
1: Alfred. It who, looked like, you know, he took his mom to the you know prom or something.
0: Yeah, because he's dressed up in the same. They're all in their military uniforms. Yes. He looks like a kid wearing his dad's clothes. It's just so cute. It's just perfect. Yeah. Uh, because they're trying to play the age, and it visually, this is a costuming win. Absolutely. And then um, uh, they meet their their fellas. Uh, they, try, they hand them these
1: gigantic boxes that allegedly have their corsages in them. Well, we only get a peek at Natalie's, who's got the, the do, largest box that was given to her. But do we ever see the actual corsages? Well, she opens it. And, uh, I forget what
0: type of flowers she said. She refers to it. But do we ever see the corsages? No. Oh no. no,
1: not in the episode. No, we never yeah. do. And the
0: corsage would be I guess, you know, it would either pin to, you know, by by uh, over the chest or, on or the it wrist. could be a wrist corsage. Sure. But we but, never see them. But these boxes it looks like a football is in the damn thing.
1: <laughs> yes. It's like yeah. the props. It's a hat box, <laughs> practically. <laughs> yes, it does. You know, it's a hat box.
0: Yeah. And and even they make a joke of it. When George comes over to Joe and George is being all super duper. in inor- George, you know who George is? He's the Dwight Schrute. Oh, totally. Of this. He is the buy oh, the yeah. books. You're breaking the rules. I'm going to tattle on you. Yep. And so he is doing constantly the heel clicks and the standing at attention and uh, trying to be very, uh, putting a lot of pageantry into yeah. his presentation of himself to his date. Uh-huh. And so when he hands Joe the box, Joe says, what, do you got a package for me? <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> but interesting that there's re- reference to these corsages but at no time do we ever see them off or on the girls which is weird.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Um anyhow. Could have um, been a
1: great comedy moment.
0: Yeah, it could have been. Especially
1: with as big as Natalie's corsage box. was. Yeah,
0: having this this child trying to pin it to <laughs> yeah. the chest of yes. the let,
1: let me do it. Right. You know,
0: that's that's what's going on there. Um so very quickly uh George says to mrs garrett uh major dorsey would like to see you or you know wants to give you a tour of the school and he's asked me to take you to him so he puts out his arm and mrs garrett's we've talked so much about how horny the girls are sometimes including mrs <laughs> garrett and mrs garrett typical oh, taking his oh thank you it's like he is a teenager Yes. You are 55 years old, Mrs. Garrett. Yeah, And this boy is 17. Okay, not appropriate. <laughs> right. So then we have to make a deal out of Buzz introducing himself to Blair. And right. And their introduction is very nice. Blair is convinced that he's who she was told he is. And then um, no sooner do we kind of... Okay, everyone is kind of paired up and we have banter back and forth with the characters... Um, very quickly, George reappears and is like, I got the dirt from the chaperone. Mm-hmm. And she told me that Blair doesn't know you and that you guys are not an item and that she's here. And basically, he for some reason, George is will is calling out buzz on this ruse mm-hmm. for some reason. And I don't know what. Social currency this has or doesn't
1: have. Yeah, I don't know know what they were trying to, you know, really push here in this moment. Yeah.
0: Other than, um, oh, I caught you in another thing.
1: Right. And just to save face, I guess. I guess, or just keep establishing if this show was to take off the riff between the two of them. Yeah, this back and forth. So in
0: typical sitcom style, it's like, oh, yeah, you think she and I are not an item? Well, we are going to be out in her car... At 10 o'clock tonight, we're going to be making out in the car. You want to see it? You be Come there. watch. Right. Come watch, you perv. <laughs> exactly. But um, so that's what it is. And he's like, okay, fine. I will. And then he leaves. And then Buzz turns to the other boys and sort of as we established before, shooting his mouth off. And now he's like, well, fuck. I just said something was going to happen and I can't be sure that that's going to happen. And- what am
1: I gonna going to do? do? And then the slow zoom into him, and the first time we hear actual applause from the audience—that wasn't a lap track. Nope. Sorry, Cameron. That no. was is the that, clap track. Is that
0: the clap track? That was the clap track, which we have discussed many, 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 many times. Yes. But yeah, it's it, it is such a it is such a sitcom setup for a commercial moment uh. with just a little too long a pause. <laughs> yes. Where you're like, someone oh, hit play. Okay. Would someone just hit play, please? Yeah. Hit play. <laughs> Oh, clap. Commercial, And it's like, ah! <laughs> God, that was painful. Um, so, yeah, so we go to commercial. And uh, during the commercial break for the show, Cameron Matthews, I'd yeah. like to take a moment to get to know my guests. <gasps> Here we go. Yes, indeed. Cameron Matthews, ladies and gentlemen, um, I have said many times, both in and out of your presence, that the best way to describe you is that theme park midichlorians are in your blood. As a performer, you have, you're not a quadruple, quintuple, septuple threat as far as you are an actor, you are a singer, you are a dancer, you are funny, you can improvise, you do everything. And, but you also have that extra ingredient, that elusive, intangible thing where when you are interacting with the guests, you get them to do things and say things. And you have a natural connection to strangers that instantaneously makes them want to play with you and do the exact thing that we are paid to do at the theme parks. Yeah. But many of us find there is a lot of effort involved in sort of getting the audience to understand and people understand, no, no, you're part of this. You play along, you are part of the show. Yeah. And yet I've watched you get people to do things and participate
1: at a level that I'm like, I could never do that. I don't know how he does that. It's funny. You're not the only person that has said that to yeah. me. And I, people go, how do you do that? And uh, I think one, um, I don't let people say no yeah. unless they really say no. But yeah. in general, I don't let people say no. And uh, I don't. I, I want them to play. I want them to have fun. Yeah. And I hope right from the get go they feel it's safe. You know, the safe environment that we're going to have just, it's all in fun. It's all a good time. Uh, But funny enough, as a kid going to Disneyland as a a child, uh, I was terrified of live entertainment. Oh, really? Terrified of it. I was that kid who hid behind mom. I was the kid that did not want anyone to be involved with me. We would go to the Golden Horseshoe. My dad always wanted us to go to the Golden Horseshoe for lunch. We'd go every year because we only went once a year. Mm -hmm. And the lady you know the the songstress of the golden horse she yeah. would come out and she always would sing a song and she'd kiss someone on the forehead oh yeah and i was always terrified it was going to be me <laughs> and i did not want that to happen and yeah. were you and were you a shy kid otherwise were you oh yeah oh really very shy kid amazing yeah well,
0: i think other it's so funny other ingredients that are you know i i call it intangible but it's also a series of small tangibles that just add up to a thing the fact that uh you are tall but you are slim you are not Mm. an imposing figure but you are tall therefore you are commanding uh you are you're good looking you've got a big inviting smile and i think that does it too some of us I swear to God, I see pictures of me like performing a smile and I'm like, I look fucking psychotic. <laughs> like there, there are some people where the smile is not their natural state of face. You know what I mean? It's oh, absolutely. And you have there's a natural smile about that. And, and in your general demeanor, there's always a, an up chipper
1: positivity to you. And you have to be. You, you just uh, have to you've, be. You've got to be. And and, and it's and it's it, so hard. Oh, definitely. It's so hard. I, oh my gosh. I, I consider
0: myself an up chipper person, and there are times I have the worst attitude. There are just days where, it, because even though it's even though we do what we love, it's still a job. There are still yeah. elements that make it a job.
1: Oh, it. Oh, it definitely is a job. Yeah, it's definitely a job. And you know, as I get older and the more I've done this, and you know, the more life hits you, you go, okay, yes, this is a job. But ever since I was young and got into this whole business, I've always given 110%. Mm I've always said I refuse to do less than 110. And because I've instilled that in me, even now at this age when it can be even more of a challenge some days to keep it at that level, I go, no, it's 110. It has to be. And nine times out of 10, I can come in, having the worst day, but I just commit to it. Yeah. And I end up walking away with some of the best memories and some of the best moments.
0: So where did you uh, get, uh, acquire this work ethic? Where do you think this came from? Was that part of your training? Is it part of your upbringing, do you think?
1: I think it's uh, definitely part of my upbringing, uh-huh. upbringing. Um, because you were abused as a th- child. Yes. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Well, not at all. I, I, well, not at I typically, at
0: all. I, I, James Lipton this yes. part of the thing so let's this is a perfect segue to say where were you born i raised? was born in los alamitos california so mm-hmm. southern california born and raised mm-hmm. um and uh so you grew up going to disneyland i grew so up going to disneyland. park entertainment was no uh stranger to you but you were not that kid at the diamond horseshoe looking in the stage saying no. someday that's gonna be me no
1: do you know what i wanted to do is parades okay that's what i wanted to do i grew up uh Loving and still loving the Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh, God, yeah. And I wanted to be Pete from Pete's Dragon on that dragon so bad. Uh, And um, I was turning... uh, When I was coming to the age where I could work at Disneyland, the year before was when the Main Street Electrical Parade was going away or glowing away, as I said, forever. Of course, that was not to be. No, But... Uh, I wrote a letter to Disney (laughs) I did I wrote a letter and I said it has been my dream to be Pete in the electrical parade is there any way I could do it one time and believe it or not I got a letter back from the manager of the parade department who wrote me this really nice letter and said uh, you know we can't grant that for reasons but thank you so much for loving it and they sent me a glossy photo of Elliot the float That, yeah, I still have, and I thought that what, was really that's cool. so nice. But wow. still, the, the following year, I, I started my Disney career. Yeah, and you it, did parades. You it started in did. the Hercules
0: parade, and uh-huh. the rest is history. And so you became friends with the Green Army Men with Block Party Bash in California.
1: Correct. And Correct. you did that
0: for like three years.
1: Uh, uh, it opened in 2005, so it was just about three years, yes. And then
0: when they moved the parade
1: here to Florida... You yeah. came with the parade. Came with the parade with my wife. Uh, we had just got married right before the parade. Your wife, the wonderfully
0: talented Hannah Berry Matthews.
1: Yes. Uh, whom I hope to have on the show soon. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and uh, the parade was ending there, and we just felt it was time to start anew. And I wanted to come out to Florida, get my equity card, and yeah. kind of put my feelers out and got the job.
0: Yeah. So then, uh, here you are. You have done many roles. You do a lot of special events and stuff. You're one of the people they frequently pull for the conventions when they want an interactive character and all that. And... um, Love those. Yeah. Those are fun. And and I love that we started out... It's interesting because we started out doing the block party bash thing together but then we kind of went our separate ways as i came to citizens of hollywood yes you stayed behind at idol as one of the warm up hosts so that closed yeah for a while but then it's like the paths reconverged yeah and and, and it's we've funny. been sitting
1: next to each other ever since I know, it's, it's true it's exactly in the it's same true. dressing room and you know you know just as a loose tie to you know what you're doing here with the with the podcast and talking about sitcoms i think a lot of what we do in theme parks is keeping that sitcom culture alive? That, that level of humor. That level of humor. Yeah. But yes, it's over the top. We are panning for laughs. It's broad. It's yeah. very broad. Yeah. But you know what? It it's fun. It's fun. It's and it's, it's still
0: funny. It is still funny. It's still fun. It's still funny. It's just sadly becoming more and more forgotten because. You know, we're not now, gonna let it go. Because now we have, you know, what is TV now? It's Game of Thrones and The Handmaiden's Tale yes. and all these, you know, we're in this, such a different era of, yeah. of what, you know, entertainment is and what comedy is and all that stuff. Yeah, But uh, no, I agree. And it's like, I feel like what served me the best when I was starting at Citizens of Hollywood was a lot of the humor was like old Warner Brothers cartoons type of stuff. Oh, definitely. That is like that is a sensibility and not every actor has it. And that's why it's a very specific you know, groove you have to be in to do the type of stuff.
1: That, yeah. Like, but we're able to keep, you know, that stuff. Uh, Lucy, we're able to keep I Love Lucy stuff alive, mm-hmm. you know. all yeah. You know, half the stuff we do is stolen, borrowed yeah. from. Uh, adapted. adapted. Adapted, as I like to say. Adapted, adapted from things, <laughs> you know, that our yeah. predecessors developed and came up with and yeah. works and is still funny yes even today you yeah. know we still do you and can we apply still do
0: to you know we still do Pratt falls if we if we could do pies in the face you know we would the you, the truck boys when we had the hollywood public works they were you know dumping buckets of water on each other like the three i'm Stooges. a firm believer
1: that physical is funny agreed you know, physical comedy is where it's at
0: yeah anyway before we come back from commercial is there uh, a commercial that you can think of from your
1: childhood when i say a rerun of a show
0: any type of commercial like an old rubble. commercial old
1: commercial yeah oh did you ever see the lauren bacall high point commercials before mm. <laughs> i can't get my voice low <laughs> enough <laughs> i've been recently because i don't i didn't see them when they originally aired but i've been recently introduced oh to i them. remember them but so well. they are long formats yes of her in, in working, the limo? working. The limo's the best one. Yeah. She goes when I'm running late for the theater. Uh, there's a lot of things I can cut back on, but coffee isn't one of them. No. And then she's sitting in her <laughs> limousine, and she has a full coffee setup in the back. Uh huh. Exactly. And she's dressed to the nines because she's running to go work at the theater. You know, yeah. She's dressed for the red carpet. Of course.
0: <laughs> but the fact that everybody, those Lauren Bacall commercials, God. And look at that deep, rich color. Let's yeah, know, yeah, of it. course, because she had that—you know—she had that elocutionary 1940s speech and pattern of talking. And
1: I, and talking and uh, it's decaffeinated. I have enough energy, thank you. Yeah. She would
0: say. But the fact is that Lauren Bacall was a woman of a certain age. She never had a high-pitched voice. No. And because she smoked approximately 40 packs of cigarettes a day, yes. in addition to this coffee, her voice was so low and buzzy. So when she would drink the coffee in the commercials, what to her was just, mmm, it always sounded like
1: this low growl of yes. a lie. It was, mmm. <laughs> I cannot physically get my voice low enough. And this is before she did the Fancy Feast commercials. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's delicious cat Fancy food. Feast good taste is easy to recognize or whatever it was i forget what it was uh,
0: yes oh my god thank you for that i'm gonna post that because oh, those yeah. those high point and high point co- what the fuck whoever heard of high point coffee? i had never heard about it but never. it's never
1: folks look up lauren bacall high point coffee she did several yeah. of them no, you don't have to hilarious. look it up
0: look it up click on the link to the uh web page for this episode on your podcatcher that you're listening to right now and, and it subscribe. will take you to it subscribe subscribe rate and review write me a review right now write a review write a review five stars but write a review with words too. I need it badly. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for David. doing the show. We have to get back from our let's commercial. get back to the show. All right, so we're back, and Buzz has got to at least try to get this cockamamie plan in action. So he grabs the boys and says, Help me get Blair alone. I need you to distract the other girls because they travel in a pack. Mm-hmm. So, um Mrs. Garrett, so when the boys, it's kind of like, okay, this is our plan. Break. And off they go. And then in comes Mrs. Garrett with Major Dorsey. Now, Major Dorsey is probably a man 40-ish, would you say? I'd say about that. And Mrs. Garrett is in her mid-50s. But she's, you know, oh, well, thank you for the tour. And he's like, (laughs) oh, it was my pleasure and all that. And then at the end when it's like, well, thank you, I've got to check on the girls. He's like, all right, but Mrs. Garrett... Save a dance for me. And this is one of my most favorite things in the whole world, is Mrs. Garrett flirting is one of the most beautiful, amazing oh, yeah. things. I, <laughs> she
1: oh, wow. I certainly oh. will. Oh, certainly will. Yeah,
0: she does a, oh, I certainly will. And she looks back up and down over oh. her shoulder. <laughs> and as I've said, many people have questioned due to her Vocal intonations often people have been like, is, is she flirting with? Is she trying to fuck that guy? uh That's come up on the podcast many times, and I'm like, yeah. No, that's just the way she talks. But in this case, when she is in full on, <laughs> yes, it's beautiful, it yes. is a beauty to behold. And
1: you know, what? that's all she has to do, she gets a laugh,
0: yeah, you know? and
1: that's it. And so many
0: other uh because the show is so focused on the girls. There are so many moments in other episodes that are like shoehorned in. We need to give a laugh for her. This yeah, give her, her a show. moment. Yeah. And so much of that is uh, forced or broad or just not as successful as you want it. Whereas this was so organically, beautifully yeah. comedic. And I love it. It was not
1: scripted. Yes. Yes. What she was
0: doing. Um, so what happens is George, of course, goes to the major... Um, And he points out to him, I think there's going to be a rule infraction that's going to be occurring out in the parking lot tonight at 10 p.m. And I think you should be there. So he is full on ratting out buzz. Then um, we quickly touch base with how well the boys are doing with distracting the other girls to keep them away from Blair. And uh, to basically distract Tootie, Chip, pulls out some records and shows them to Tootie. I guess they're playing records at the dance. Yeah. And looks at it and Tootie goes, Oh, Paula Nelson. Paula Nelson. Hmm. Eh. And he's like, You don't like Paula Nelson? She's like a country singer. No. (laughs) No, no, no. She's Willie Nelson's daughter and she's my age. Yeah. So no one's ever heard of her. But um she says, Eh, you can't really dance to her music. She's boring. At which point Chip is like, She's my mother. (laughs) Normally he's like, I don't want to I don't want you to talk about my mother. Yeah. But then Quickie's like, so Tootie's like, oh, oops. On to the next scene. So then we get Alfred is uh, saying, Natalie, so can we see each other
1: again? Can Natalie, we go out again? mom. I mean, Natalie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Natalie's like, <laughs> what can I say? And uh, that's about it, really. That's so about it. <laughs> not,
1: it's not much going on. I'll see there. you in 10 episodes.
0: It is just literally saying the boys are distracting. Yes. Joe comes in alone. She goes over to the punch, and she says, give me some of that, straight. And then Joe comes in, and he's kind of limping or huddled over or whatever, and the boys look at him and say, punch? And he goes, no thanks, I've already had one. Yep. And turns out, he did try to kiss her on, he just the, neck, on the neck, and Joe was not nah, having it. Nope. At which point, the original boy, Hank, is there. and he Boy had ori- version of Blair. Yeah. He had originally said, uh, oh, I wish I could have been your date. I was supposed to be your date, but... Because of this, because of this. And she says, can you dance with that cane? And he goes, what cane? And throws it at George. And suddenly he's miraculously cured and goes off with Joe. And we know she has a good date now. That's it. So Hilarious. Then we do get a little scene with uh, Blair and Buzz. Buzz says, so uh, is your car parked out in the parking lot? He goes, I think it might need to be moved. Would you maybe want to help me with it? And Blair was like, Brown "Okay, okay. <laughs> And then he does say, interestingly, and I think in earnest, he says, "Blair, I just want you to know, I'm glad you came to the dance, and I think you're special." And it's David, weird, I think you're special. Really, I just thought, yeah. You're I've special been too. I've been told I belong in special ed many many times. Oh, Thank
1: you. oh My gosh.
0: Um, but the deal is, he says it really genuine. And I'm not sure it is. I'm thinking mm. that's him trying to get her out to the car, in which case it's like, fuck, man. If, he's, if he can pour on the charm, there was no sense of duplicity about his delivery, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. So if, if it was intended to be just a way to get her out to the car, it's like, he's a little politician, this one. Yeah, wife. he's going right for it. Wow. Um, so then we do go out to the car. And for the first time ever... We learn that Missus Garrett drives a Volkswagen Beetle. That's right. Which then makes me wonder all the times, I, you could probably squeeze three people in the back seat of a Beetle, but it was a it was a small car for back then. Yeah, and where are those corsages going to go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't. And the trunk is in the front, you know. That's, That's the thing right. of the Beetle: the trunk's in the front, the engine's in the right. back. Um, so the deal is, while they're sitting in the car, it, pretty quickly, it's just Blair says you're not bringing me out here because you want to move the car. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? And Blair says, uh, you didn't date Gloria Vanderbilt's daughter because I just remembered Gloria Vanderbilt doesn't have a daughter. It's like, okay, it took you how long to quote unquote, remember that that's weird, (laughs) but whatever. But that is true. So at least we'll give him uh, accuracy points. And then, um, Blair says, well, why did you lie? And he's like, what? He goes, I'm just some nobody. And look at you. You're so fancy. You wouldn't want to do. And Blair, this is where Blair is the snobby bitch with a heart of gold. In earnest, she says, underneath all this, you are actually quite charming. And then, thank you, vaudevillian middle-aged writers. Yep. You're kind of like a young Bogart. So now, oh, okay.
1: So now we have a, <clears throat> we have a Candace Bergen type in the car, and, then, and a Bogart. Uh, we have a
0: Candace Bergen and a Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> if there was ever anything that said 1982 more than Bergen and Bogart, I don't believe at all that Buzz
1: would know who Humphrey Bogart was. I
0: don't believe that Blair would know who Humphrey Bogart <laughs> yes, was. Even true. Okay. I just want to point this out that Humphrey Bogart died in 1957. He has been dead twenty five years. Not saying his legacy didn't live on. Right. But I'm just saying <laughs> I, I just find it hard to believe that teenage girls in nineteen eighty two, even if they were catching his old movies on T V, which did run. Sure. He was He was certainly Maybe Casablanca was, you know, being re aired in eighties. Yeah, you know, and Maltese knows? Falcon and all that. all that. I recall Humphrey Bogart movies always being played. So that he was in any sort of way in the consciousness of people is not crazy, but for a teenage girl to liken a teenage boy and not say, "You make me think of Christopher Atkins in The Blue Lagoon," <laughs> you know, you you know who you're like, you're like that boy Scott Baio on Happy Days. That's who you remind me of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, interesting thing, he's my brother, but um, yeah, just a very weird, very aged. Aged. Mother of the Bride reference. (laughs) And we already have the Mother of the Bride. It's Natalie. Natalie. Blair's not the Mother of the Bride. No. no. So then, just as Blair and Buzz are sharing this nice moment, and they're about to go in for... Doing uh, bogey impressions. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's looking at you, You kid. kid. And he goes in for the kiss, and just they're about to kiss, we hear taps on the trumpet. Cut to... Out in the bushes, we have George with his horn, who has been the one who interrupted this somehow. And Mrs. Garrett is there, and so is Major Dorsey. And they're all like, we cannot believe the kids would be out in that car. And somehow in the 30 seconds... Where they're looking and trying to find the kids and they're not there. And there's talk of, well, they're not in the sight line. And Mrs. Garrett's like, not one of my girls. They're not fucking. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing. Um, So when they do finally reveal themselves and say, hey, what are you guys doing in there? Somehow he has quickly thrown off his jacket.
1: Blair was wearing. Was she wearing his jacket? She was wearing his jacket. And
0: he was out allegedly fixing the muffler he decided there was something wrong with the muffler and was fixing it And she was holding the flashlight and she was holding the flashlight you're right Mm -hmm. and so it's like mrs garrett's like blair we had a rule that you are not to leave the building and he's like no it was totally my fault that's on me not her fault and then of course major dorsey's like well you're gonna have to get more demerit hours or whatever you're still in trouble and all that so I'll have to
1: get a computer to calculate it as he says yeah
0: and so before it's like all right break it up you we're gonna get back to the dance blair asks is it okay if in front of my chaperone i can give my day to kiss good night it's like well i think we'll allow it mrs garrett's it's like, like okay. Oh, okay so just as she's about to kiss him buzz is kind of like
1: hey george get over here And And then plants one on her. And then plants
0: one on her just to make sure. And the final image is him kissing Blair and George seething that he didn't get to completely pull off his entire plan of exposing him as not being involved with this fancy schmancy broad. Oh, young
1: Danny Tanner. Oh. So so there's the episode. And and we had the whole message that was in the car with Blair and Buzz. And she says be yourself yeah it it was such a message episode
0: it was but i mean i don't think
1: it was too
0: not clubbing you over the head with it. no and the fact that the episode introduced all these new characters but still honored the old ones and integrated them into it yeah um i think the only you almost
1: felt that these guys were going to join the facts of life
0: or, or yeah, we'd see more of them. We on would the just show. see them
1: more often.
0: Yeah, I think maybe the only thing you could fault this pilot for is this was a great show, but could it stand without the facts of life, girls? I think that might have been a question in someone's. Or brain. also,
1: you'd be watching it going, "I would rather just watch the facts of life." Yeah, yeah. exactly. The because this is yeah the boy. We've version. seen this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um. Yeah, but in general, I don't really have... <laughs> we typically, at the end of the show, give notes to the writers. Notes to the writers. But uh, honestly, other than some of these ancient vaudevillian references, I,
1: I like this episode. I, I think it's a great episode, you know, for a... For a backdoor for a, pilot. For a backdoor pilot, yeah. yeah and often if, you're like going, oh, I, I'll just wait till next week. <laughs> yeah. So
0: this one, uh, I, think, I think we give this one a thumbs up.
1: Well, obviously, they thought it could go somewhere because... They, those those characters are going to come back <laughs> next season. Exactly. We have another second attempt at the same back. I think pilot. it's They're another like, attempt at it. Yeah.
0: It's like, really, America? You sure you don't really want this? You're right. write, write a letter to NBC. Right. So uh, we're, we're at the end now, Cameron. That flew by. That I, I hope it did. Yeah. And sadly, it took so long to get you here. Hopefully, it won't take as long to get you back. And well, maybe you bring me back on the
1: next time... We go to the Academy. You want to go to season four, episode nine? Maybe we do that. It's a date. Maybe we, we do, do that. We will totally do okay. it. Okay. So that we can see where they're going <laughs> with this and we can continue our conversation I, with them. Okay. Done. done. Absolutely. Done. So So uh,
0: in the meantime, uh, I will, I will see you at work. I'll see you. I'll see you right beside me. Exactly, We're, we <laughs> literally are in the same room every, every. And we work the same days. We have the same. We have weekend. the same days off. So too, five folks. days a week, we are in the. Same, We're essentially the same person. Yeah, and and therefore he has had to. He has heard more than anybody, all about this podcast. Overheard me editing it when I've been editing it on my breaks and stuff. It's like you have been probably exposed to it more than anybody. You so. are detailed oriented, and that is not a bad thing. Ah, indeed. So, do come back again soon. Thank you so much, my darling. Goodbye. Thanks, buddy. And there you have it. That was Cameron Matthews. As you could hear, super awesome, cool, positive guy, super talented. I, uh, there's no more that I can say about how much I enjoy him and working with him. So, next week, I'm going to be watching Season 3, Episode 23, Joe's Cousin which is another backdoor pilot where didn't we just watch a backdoor? Yeah, yeah, we did. And now here's another one. Have fun with that. Anyway, going to be watching it. I am going to have another special guest as I do every single week. And uh, that's really all there is. So thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle facethefactspod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.